You're all very welcome, welcome to right. the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And I am your co-host and project coordinator, Shane McKay. And I'm your other co-host and project coordinator, Christopher Sneed. We have a great chat with a fantastic lady who um, started the toy company Jiminy, and her name is Sharon Keelty. That's right, yeah. And uh, I highly recommend people who haven't seen the first part of the show with Sharon, go back and check it out. Here's a few clips from the previous show with Sharon Keelty from Jiminy Eco Toys, Jiminy.ie. So Jiminy is my activism. It was 2018, my daughter was about to turn four and I went to a toy store that you would recognize the name of to get her a gift. And I wanted to get her something plastic free and locally made, you know, something I could feel really good about. And I actually walked out empty handed. Everything in there was plastic, wrapped in plastic, shipped all the way from China. And I just couldn't buy it anymore. I felt like if I was feeling that way, maybe I wasn't alone. Or maybe yeah. other people would also like to be easy to choose the right thing. You know, we can't expect people to do better if, if that is not available, you know? What's actually much more important and urgent than packaging waste is climate. If we fix our climate in the next decade, then all will be well and we'll have lots of time to go around in little boats or do whatever it's needed to pick up the packaging waste. If we don't fix the climate in the next decade, then we'll have missed our chance. The most important aspect of any product and everything I say about toys applies to everything. It applies to your phone, it applies to your coffee machine, to your toaster, whatever you might be buying. The most important thing is actually the carbon footprint. Is it the shipping or is it the plastic that is 90% of the carbon footprint of the typical plastic toy? Making plastic from petroleum is just hugely carbon intensive. It releases between two and six times the product's weight in carbon dioxide, which is a lot. Just making toys from plastic releases so much carbon dioxide, we'd have to plant a billion trees to absorb it. So we can't go around planting billions of trees for every, for every tiny industry. In other words, we need to stop churning out petroleum-based plastic. It's wasteful economics is what we're kind of really looking at. You're coming in from a mindful and an ethical standpoint where you're, you're making a product that takes all of this stuff on board and you're proving it can be done and it can be done successfully as well. You walked away from high power, possibly very high paid guaranteed jobs. So I walked away from, yeah, from like a white collar job to start Jiminy. We, we're always talking about the environmental crisis, but I feel like understandably most people don't really connect with it emotionally as a crisis because we respond well if a lion jumps out in front of us. We're not designed for 10 years from now, there'll be shortages of water and food. We're not designed for, you know, 20, 25 years from now. And that's the challenge with climate, isn't it? Is getting people to make changes now. And so we get caught up in the immediate at the expense of the long term. Well, Sharon was like, I won't, I won't give the full bio, I'll give you a bit of a synopsis, right? She was in high power, fairly well-paying employment, a white-collar job, and she gave that all up and spent her life savings to found Jiminy because it's something that she believes in. From from going around the toy shop with her daughter looking to, to buy toys and walking out a bit disgusted because of all the waste packaging and, you know, that everything was made from virgin plastic you know straight from the oil fields if you will if you're if you're interested in in sourcing <clears throat> ethical products definitely go and check these guys out oh yeah well well worth look so success for uh, for us is that we're not needed success for us is that smith's toys 
is full of recycled plastic and bioplastic and a bit of wood and cardboard, right? Yeah. That's success for us. And then we'll be like, great, we can put our feet up now and go do something else. <laughs> so um, mainstreaming this is, is, and this is the same for every other industry. We do not need eco as a fringe or a sort of a special interest group. We just need it to be normal. And the person who walks into a toy store without thinking, the person who doesn't care about the environment still comes out with a recycled plastic toy. That's success. So um, I definitely see a good trend. Um, in 2020, Smith's Toys was stocking one toy that was bioplastic or recycled plastic. They're now stocking 14 toys. Mm. Now, I suspect their whole catalogue is a couple of thousand toys. Okay, so we're yeah. still not at a good percentage, but it's a good trend. And um and so we see our role as partly putting pressure and inspiration on them. You know, so they see us growing. Yeah. Then every time, you know, every time someone orders from us is another reason for Smiths to have a chat with their executive mm. team about their strategy. Because here's the thing, you have so much power as a buyer. Mm. So I, we, um, we were looking at these lovely craft kits made in the UK. And so we have a set of 25 questions we ask and we asked them about their stuffing for they were made, little craft kits to make stuffed yeah. toys. We said, is the stuffing um, recycled? Because most stuffing is polyester. Mm. And so you want 100% recycled polyester or no polyester. So we said, is it recycled? They said, actually, it's not. But since you've asked the question, we found a supplier and we're going to switch our whole range over from virgin polyester stuffing to recycled polyester stuffing. Wow. So like just in how we were shopping, we were shopping them. We were going to stock them. We changed them. And then there's the others where we say, I'm sorry, we're not going to stock this because there's a plastic bag inside the box. And they're like, what? And we're like, yeah, there's just no need for a plastic bag inside a car, you know, yeah. say a puzzle, a cardboard puzzle. They just don't need the bags inside the boxes anymore. Yeah. We're like, no, that's not necessary. You could just use a little sticker on either side and said, and they're like, what? Are you seriously yeah. not going to stock us? And we're like, yeah, we're not going to stock you. So even the ones where we don't manage to change them immediately, there's a little impact there because yeah. we turned them down. So Good. as a buyer, imagine Smith's had a plastic, only only, only recycled plastic or bioplastic policy. They're huge. They don't just, they're not just big here in Ireland. They bought Toys R Us. They're quite big across Europe. Imagine the impact they could have overnight, mm. you know, and... and well, you'd be talking tons per shop, like... That's it. And like there's parts of the supply chain that aren't aren't there yet for that to happen. So uh, it's actually quite hard to find toy safe recycled plastic pellets. So, you know, these people run injection molding machines to make hmm. the toys. They need little gra granules of plastic to put into those. So it's quite hard to find toy safe recycled plastic pellets from a, a reliable source. So, again, in China, things are less tightly regulated so there are people there offering recycled plastic pellets but a lot of toy makers don't feel safe using them in case they're contaminated yeah, yeah. the problem with recycled plastic is if there's heavy metals if there were wires if there was an electric yeah. part in there when you melted it down you have lead you have nasty things in there that aren't toy safe but uh we know how to solve that problem so green toys in california exclusively uses milk bottles for there, so they grind up the milk bottles, yeah. melt them down, and they know that it's safe because it used to hold food. Yeah, right. Uh, so other people could set up. We could we could start segregating the food plastic from the other plastic. Mm. If there was demand for the recycled plastic pellets, mm. then it would be you know financially worthwhile to do that. Mm. And so that's what I was saying about using recycled materials is so powerful because it puts a value on that waste, and putting value on that waste enables people like. It becomes a business opportunity yes. to set up a recycling plant that only handles food plastic. 
food grade plastic because the toy industry is clamoring for the pellets, you know, so by creating the demand. So if Smith's changed tomorrow to only recycled or bioplastic across all its stores, it would take a year or two Mm -hmm. for the suppliers to make that change because then the suppliers have to go and, you know, scream to the world, I need toy safe recycled plastic. Here's how to, and and then someone will step in and do that. Yeah, you create a vacuum and nature bores a vacuum and goes to fill it. So the suppliers will be created by the fact that they're wanted. Exactly. Yeah. And but why wouldn't they do that? I guess they'd be concerned about disruption, about costs, and because they're primarily they primarily exist to make money. Hmm. They don't primarily exist to make the world better. You could argue they do bring a lot of joy to the world by bringing toys to children, including affordable toys. But well, the primary kind of, primary so- motive is money yeah and like some problem. people are in business in the money business they're not necessarily in the business that they're in. they're more in the money business than in the business they do and the toy industry is for sure we, we i mean that's going back a long time it, it, it's 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 been kind of like that with you know big box store kind of models and even the toys themselves are geared very much towards mini consumers you know like let's kind of mm-hmm. you know get them into the shop and encourage them to you know I mean, gender-specific toys is another one that I've kind of got issues with. When I, when, when I was growing mm. up, my, my, my parents were really good like that. that there were, you know, there were certain things they didn't like us playing with, but it wasn't a doll. <laughs> you know? They didn't I, want I, to play I'm with I'm proud violent. to say that I had several <laughs> dolls. You know, Very good. Yeah. Um, we actually, me and my brothers had a dolls hospital in, based in the hot press. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah, like, you know, we, our primary mission is the environment, but we also just like to be good citizens of the whole mm. toy space. So mm. we, we do work to make sure that our website is inclusive, that we show, you know, children with disabilities, that we show uh, children of all ethnicities. Mm. And um, actually, you, actually, you did a post, I think, you did a video about that uh, a few weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that we, you you went to the you went to the manufacturer and like, no, we want you to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We tried to use our buyer power to change. So we, um, so after George Floyd, I did an audit of our store because I, obviously, I believe in inclusivity, but I had never actually checked. And um, you know, to my horror, I found one of our suppliers, where we were the UK and Ireland distributor, hmm. that all the humans in their board games were all white skinned were all white-skinned Europeans. They were made in Hungary, and in Hungary, 99.9% of the population, you know, looks like you and me. And so it was understandable, and their toys had gender balance. And, you know, having grown up in Ireland, part of the ethnic majority, I was tuned into the gender balance, and I had not Mm. stocked board games that were like pathetic princess stories or that were like, you know, car racing games where all the characters were male. I did not stock those because I was tuned into that, but I clearly wasn't tuned into ethnicity. So I just hadn't noticed, which is shocking. It's like Adam Barry Barry versus Ben and Tara, you know? Yeah. Um, Anne likes dolls. Barry likes trucks. You know, Ben and Tara like dolls and trucks. It's, 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 it's not much of a change, but it's a big change. It is a big change. Yeah, no. I know. So I was woken up anyway by that audit. So I, I said to them, listen, you know, this isn't appropriate anymore. Like 15, 5% of people across Europe and 15% of people in the UK are not white skinned European ethnicity. So, hmm. you know, f- that percentage of people don't recognize themselves in these games. And also that minority 
is excluded and has a, has been excluded in so many ways. We need to overrepresent them. So actually, yeah. our target. So in Ireland, it's five percent population that ha- has a different ethnicity to white to the majority and we need to over represent those people so we try we aim for like 15 percent representation on our store and in our toys because we need to balance that like historical exclusion anyway i said that to the toy maker i said listen i'll help you we'll do it together make your board games more inclusive and they said no artistic license no thanks we like them the way they are and by the way they have continued since then to produce new board games with only white-skinned European characters, which just disgusts me. So mm. I said, okay, that's fine. We're not going to work with you anymore. Mm. And so we discounted all the products. They wouldn't take the they wouldn't take the products back, and I wasn't exactly mm. going to burn them. So we discounted them, although I felt bad about selling them then. Discounted mm-hmm. them. And um, so we still stock some of their stuff, though, because we want to keep the communication open. So mm. we stock just a couple of games that don't have humans, or there's like one mm. game that I I'm like, okay, we'll put up with that one game. We used to stock like 20 games. So I want to keep the lines communication open with them though, Mm. because every time I order with from them, I want them to remember that this is the person who kicked up a stink about inclusivity in our games. And I feel like shutting the door on someone Mm. is not the way to change them. It's, you have to keep chatting with them, right? Conversation like to stop it. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't help them change. So anyway, yeah. So we've taken, we take a stand on those kinds of things, even though that's not our primary purpose, just because I think, well, everyone should, everyone needs to take, that's just, kind of high it's like hygiene you know basic hygiene in toys Mm -hmm. is that your toy store is not exclusive Mm. that people everyone feels welcome there and everyone can find a toy or a lifestyle image that looks like them and their kid you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and actually our store has we have an easter collection and a christmas collection and i was just thinking i think we might need to add like an eid collection and you know think about who are the other groups in ireland that don't celebrate easter and christmas but do celebrate other things Um, Eid is a fantastic festival. Like I, I celebrated it with an Indian friend of mine there. Like uh, it's kind of in around Christmas period as well. But like, it's just a festival of food and just messing about. Like it's great. Yeah, like that's I don't know anything about it. So, but I have a couple of. Um, hmm. There's a couple of people in our community, a couple of customers who I know are practicing Muslims and celebrate Eid, and so I'm going to ask them for a bit of advice on what might be make for a good Eid collection and just try and be even more inclusive in that way. It's great. And I think that kind of approach to business is like, it really is the way forward. I think we should all be, excuse me, <clears throat> we should all be looking at economics with this kind of lens now, because I really do. I, I kind of, I, I'd love to see projects like this, where it's a real proof of concept of kind of like, not only can this work, it can work better. And back to keeping the door open, like the more aware we are of 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 our community and our and our environments, I think that's only going to filter down into like healthier kind of works and things like that. And whether it's the toys we're making or playing with or whatever, inclusivity in- inclusivity and diversity is so underrated and important that it's kind of really encouraging to see now that people are starting to tune into that a lot more now and it is becoming more normal but i think you're right sharon unless we talk about it and keep those lines of communication open we can't just take it for granted that oh okay so oh we're green now everything's fine well no we have to like engage like it's it's like sisyphus you know um when you stop pushing the boulder rolls back (laughs) yeah yeah Um, You have to keep driving for it. And, and, you know, sometimes I think things like that, like say inclusion should almost be a legal requirement of toy makers because the science is very clear 
the science is very clear about the damage that is done by exclusion in toys and cartoons and TV. Like if you look at the studies they did in the US, these are quite old now, but they repeated mm. them where they showed children of different ethnicities. They showed them dolls of different ethnicities and all the children chose like the white, you know, the white skinned European ethnicity doll as the most beautiful, you know, yeah. even if they, you know, a dark skinned child there sitting there picking the doll that doesn't look like them yeah. and saying it's the most beautiful, more beautiful than the doll that does look like them. Like what kind of messages has that child received about themselves? It says a lot, about, a recent... says yeah, a lot about society oh. too, though, like that, like. If that's just the the accepted norm, like it, it, and and it's not normal, and it's not really based in reality either. It's like this leftover kind of outdated like, conception, like practically Stone Age yeah. Con Con conception. Yeah, out I there. know, but I like mean, still, so Nickelodeon did um, a amazing study two years ago, and a really big study in America again. Okay, and I, we have different mm. social dynamics than America, but I still think it's instructive. Mm. They discovered things like um, actually. Latino children are very underrepresented in children's shows on TV yeah. in America, and they very rarely play the leading role. If yeah. they feature, they're usually a sidekick. And so then when you go and ask the children of different ethnicities which role they'd like to play in a TV show, the Latino children are choosing the sidekick roles, not the lead roles. I know. I saw, uh, know? I, I saw something that shocked me a good while ago, and it was made by... It was a toy made by a very very big entertainment industry which i'm not going to mention because they're very litigious and it was the only toy that i'd ever seen manufactured by them featuring um a dark-skinned child and it was the little um servant set <gasps> you're kidding me essentially it was it was like yo know, a cleaner kind of play set <sighs> It's just shocking. Like, and like that's, and see, it's kind of circular, right? So it's kind of like if you had more women in leadership, you know, would, would the government make stupid decisions like closing children's shoe shops for a year? Well, that's yeah. it. That's, you know? it's, that's the thing. That's <laughs> no, the they'd open the shoe shops because the children need shoes. Yeah. And equally, if you had more people, if there was someone on the board of that company who was not like, you know, who yeah. had dark skin themselves, they'd be like, you know, this wouldn't be happening. So yeah. it's like you have to, you have to display the diversity. You have to celebrate human diversity in yeah. the cartoons, in the books, in the toys, so that children can imagine themselves being on the board of a company. And then, in the you know, then the board of the company represents human diversity. And then yeah. you don't have problems. You know, it's like circular reinforcing of itself. But hmm. um, anyway, we're still at the point of first feature diversity in the cartoons books and toys and yeah, so um, then in the future the boards will be diverse and this stuff won't happen you won't have to think about it because yeah. it's one it's part of the standard operating procedure when you grow up part of the ethnic majority is that you're you're blind to it like i stocked those board games for mm. I, I liked them enough to want to be the distributor for you can you know i just didn't i just didn't see it well it's, it's just a, there's a normal it's a thing it. about it being normalized but then it's like you know we all kind of grow up a bit more and then we start to kind of go 
actually that's not that normal and we've talked about it a lot on here as well you know like sometimes it's like whether it's like if you're sometimes when you're when you're in a kind of negative environment until you step away you kind of because we kind of have these coping mechanisms and it's been normalized it's not until you step away that you kind of go oh wow that's so not normal so it's really important for children from so in ireland you know we have like a 95 percent ethnic majority and it's so important for children from that five percent minority to see themselves on TV, in cartoons, on in toys and books. But it's also really important for that 95% majority, children from that majority to see diversity in their books and toys. So that when one day they walk into a boardroom, you know, if they don't see diversity around the table, that their instincts say this feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's also bad for them not to see people who are different to them. It's you it's know. pretty unnatural as well. We've talked about it before, like just even off the air about how these kind of these homogenous boards of, of people and, and and it's like it's all like like we're talking about, you know, the, the people of privilege who are who don't who are not really even thinking outside of that box. But it's so it it, it it's it's so detached from actual reality that like okay, like for a while they might do well for a period and they'll be profitable etc etc but I believe over a period of time that kind of scenario can be just becomes more and more toxic you know and yeah. I think getting away from that is really in the interest of the whole society is to have these inclusive kind of it, it, it doesn't whether whether it's at work or whatever environment we're in being open to that just being being open yeah. to that is so important that's it Totally. And actually, there's um, so I, like I do feel a lot of work has been done and things are so much better than they mm. were. But anyway, we still need to remain alert and keep working on it. But um, McKinsey and company did a study that showed that companies with diversity in their executive team were on the board. I can't remember which actually performed better financially. Yeah, as well. they do. Because so, it's, yeah. it's more real. <laughs> it's more in the real world. Like, you know, yeah. like there's, there's more that goes into like, you know, oh, yeah, we made a profit. Like it's and you, you use the word success there. We love to to talk about the measure of, of success you know and when you're only factoring in your bat your your bottom line there's there's, mm. there's so much wasted opportunity there i feel that like if we were being more actively inclusive that there's there, there's as far as the health of society even there's just there's so much there that i, I am encouraged though to see we are going in the right direction but it, it, it's mm. funny you mentioned there as well sharon how as buyers like we do have a lot of power and you i've seen supermarkets talking before about saying like well we know that like maybe it's better to stock the the organic stuff but until people start asking for it, we're not really going to do it as everything goes mainstream, it becomes more affordable. And also, like in the future, there are probably carbon taxes and different taxes coming in to kind of put the true cost of things into the price. Because at the yeah. moment, when you pe when you buy a plastic, you know, T-shirt or dress in pennies for three or five euro, like that's not the true cost. It's not yeah. the true human cost, not yeah. the true environmental cost. It's not the true cost of dealing with that waste afterwards. So as that true cost starts to get layered on by yeah. taxes yeah. and taxes can be helpful, mm -hmm. then actually, you know, the organic locally made uh, dress actually becomes the less expensive option because yeah. the, it's, you know, it's, it's true cost is already for, reflected in its price. I guess for me, I like to think of businesses and we need to finish up now, but um, sure. uh, I like to think of businesses. If you, 
if you imagine everything going back to a small village of 100 people or 150 people and like one person was good at baking bread so they were the baker for the village and mm -hmm. someone else was just really good at minding the kids so they were the creche for the village and someone else was great at growing vegetables so they were the vegetable farmer for the village like every business has a social function every business should be a social enterprise it should exist to yeah. fulfill you know to be and the it, baker or to be the vegetable or to be the creche and like not to make money <laughs> yeah it's like the old expression it takes a village to raise a child exactly you know? and and like every business ex started to fulfill a social a social function mm -hmm. to get people mm -hmm. energy or to get them clothes or whatever and then i think feel like sometimes then we lose sight of that and start chasing the dollars instead but mm -hmm. anyway it was so nice to talk to you both thank you so much for having me on no well, problem really we'd love to have you back at some time i'd love to actually have you show us a few of the toys and things and yeah, sorry, yeah. I didn't think about that before today yet. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 we, no, we, we weren't going to have time great, regardless because yeah, I mean, like, we haven't even subject. covered all the topics, like, <laughs> you yeah. know? But thanks, Sharon, um, so much. Like, and that, that was a real insight, and I'd love to hear. If, 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 if anything comes up that you'd like to talk to us as well or, or you want to get in touch, you're very, very welcome to give us a shout anytime. And um, we'll let you, we'll, we, we'll be in touch again in, uh, soon anyway with, with, with a couple of details and stuff for you. Perfect. Thanks okay. for lovely chat. You're and very well welcome. Done and on sorry, all just you're doing. quickly, the, the website, oh, yeah. we, we'll throw the link in the description, but if people want to find you or find Jiminy, what, what's yeah, the best way? Yeah, it's Jiminy.ie, Jiminy like Jiminy Cricket. So J-I-M-I-N-Y, Jiminy.ie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Named after Pinocchio's conscience during cricket. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. It was a pleasure, guys. Thanks, All Sharon, so much. So that was Sharon Kilty from Jiminy and Jiminy.ie, and, and they have a, they have um, a bit of a movement to get eco toys in every shop to have an eco section. That's so, it there up on the screen for folks who can see that at the moment. If you're watching on YouTube, for people who aren't watching, again, that's J I M I N Y dot I E. I, I came across something really interesting that jumped out at me, yeah? Mm. It's it's called a book called The Basil Who Built Bridges. Plantable children's book. Oh, wow. So that basil book, yeah, it's like what you plant the pages. The, the front and back page, the cover pages, are, have seeds implanted into them so that you can plant the whole page in your garden and grow a patch of basil. You know... It's great. It's really yeah. innovative stuff. And it, to me, it would make sense that they have those kind of innovative products on there because it's an innovative, it, although it shouldn't be, it is a quite an innovative approach that they're taking towards yeah. business. But it's really just, you know, having a bit of ethics. <laughs> you know, <kind laughs> like profit well, is not the only measure of success. Like, you no, know, no. The, the, the measure of success being, you know, when you're not needed anymore, you've done your job. Yeah. Job done. That's it. Yeah. Okay, folks, so thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll be back with more from the CAM projects very soon. And I have been your co host and project coordinator, Shane McKay. And I'm the other half of that coin, the other pro co host and project coordinator, Chris Sneed. Slongafall. Slongafall, can I live? And the CAN Project's email is canprojects.info at gmail.com and you'll find a link to the CAN Project's website in the description. All the best.